Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Almost 30. Hi, everybody. How we feeling? How are we today? It's Lindsay and Krista. We're so happy to have you. This is a show where hopefully you will learn a lot, laugh a lot, and just feel really good, buddy. And explore all aspects of our existence, our consciousness, explore different topics like the one we're going to share about today, which is about being sober curious, about some things that are going to support you in your sober curious journey. It's going to be a good one. And I love talking about this because I've been alcohol free for a while now. It's something that I let go of when I was 26 living in Chicago. So I was a little ahead of the curve, not going to lie, but it's really changed my life. So I love to be in conversation with you about things that are supportive of me. No pressure, do whatever feels good, but it's something that's changed my life. And I know for you too, your sober curious journey has been really powerful. Yeah, it's definitely something that took me a little bit. I was definitely not 26, but it was through my experience of binge drinking and really just like numbing out and escaping through alcohol and partying and just that whole scene, whether in New York or LA, that I was really brought to my knees metaphorically my body started to reject the lifestyle. And <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> my body rejected the lifestyle. Well, I guess that's true. <laughs> the late nights, the eating. Yes. Totally. I mean, all of my habits were pretty piss poor. I was working out a lot. Yeah. But like that coupled with not hydrating enough, drinking alcohol, basically poisoning my body. And mm -hmm. then the food that you eat when you're drinking alcohol is not the healthy stuff. You know what's crazy about me is I'm, I mean, I've been a binger my life. I've binged. I never drunk ate. Really? How wild. That's so interesting. It's so interesting because I would binge sober. You that know? was my thing in college. Yeah, so many, even my friends in college would dip their cell phones in like chip bowls yeah. as like a salsa and like, you know, just would do crazy stuff with eating. And I'm so thankful that that, wasn't me because I was very destructive in other ways. Yeah. And I would have thought that would be my path. But it was almost honestly deep, so deeply embedded in me that it was almost like because I was drinking, I already felt like crap enough about myself yeah. that eating more would have made me go over the edge mm. of like self-hate in a way that I don't even know if I could even recover from. Yeah. I just remember like at the beginning of the night knowing that we're, oh, we're yeah. already three shots in and we're probably going to do about six before we go out, but already thinking about what I'm going to order. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. And not in a way that was like, but it was just like, I would wait to have that type of food when I was drunk because for some reason to me, it like canceled it out or something. Yeah. The last time I ate meat, I've eaten fish since, but eating meat, I was on my boyfriend's bed at the time, ordered three chili cheese conies. What's a coney? It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. Okay. covered in chili and cheese and I ate it on the bed and I literally was like this is we're done 
It was the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my whole life. And I was just so drunk and so disgusting. And actually, I think I woke up from it and had chili cheese all over the bed. And I was like, this looks like baby shit everywhere because of the colors. (laughs) And like, it was, it was so gross. I was like, we're done here. Yeah. Anytime someone says hot dog, (laughs) hot dog (laughs) makes me want a hot dog real bad. (laughs) I think about, I don't know if it's like a meme or something where they have that like sliver of a hot dog under a microscope and there's like, I'm excited about this, you know, microplastics, there's hairs, there's like just the most disgusting things in a hot dog. So I just think about that. Isn't it just, it's parts. It's kind of like they take whatever's on the floor and then they case it. And then so. just put it in a can. Oh, I remember I used to eat bratwurst in Wisconsin with my family growing up. And you bite into bratwurst and it you have to break the Cracks, casing yeah. to get to the meat. Dude, so <laughs> nasty. <laughs> so nasty. But it was moments of just, for me to stop drinking, had to be beyond a level of self-hate that I didn't even, that I was like, this is enough. Right. Where right. I would be out at night and just look at myself in the mirror or look around at what I was doing or where you see yourself from the bird's eye view where you almost leave your body and you're witnessing what you're doing and you're like wow this is Mm -hmm. this is enough yeah and I think for me it was gradual and I still drink every once in a while like I'll have a glass of wine whatever but I think for me it was gradual and eventually I really made that connection between how I wanted to feel and what I was putting in my body, which sounds so duh, but I really became so sensitive and conscious to that. And then also I kind of remember making fun of Sean for this. When I first met him, he didn't really drink. He was ordering like sprites and pineapple at the bar. And I was like, loser, like my dream beverage. Yeah. I could like never date this guy. Like how could I date him? I was, he doesn't drink. Like, what do we do for fun? We drink, we go out. And then now it's just such a blessing because yeah, we'll have like a glass of wine every once in a while, but it's never what we center our social activity around ever. And if we're out and people are drinking a ton, I just know that like we're not going to come home wasted. And it's like such a nice feeling. Like I can't even describe it because I've just spent so much of my like relationship moments wasted with a boyfriend. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like how you would have your first kiss, yeah. how you'd have your first oh. hookup. And it was also, too, if there was any issues in the relationship, oh. we're not talking about it and we're getting drunk Dude. and talking. <laughs> you it's know what Judge I mean? Judy without Judge Judy. Exactly. Around. You'd wait till you were <laughs> wasted to be like, you never, you always look at that girl Dude. whenever we're out. <laughs> I had an ex where it would just come out and you're just like, huh? Oh, mine would come out. His would come wow. out. And it would always be like, you'd wait till you were drunk. You'd be like, I love you. And you're <laughs> like, oh, some. <laughs> They're like, you're like fighting. You're like, I know you've been doing all these things, but I love you. <laughs> and it's just, it's so comical. <laughs> and it's just so much compassion for whatever version of us yes. that existed. And it would even be friendship fights or all of it would just come mm-hmm. out and... Mm-hmm. That feeling of that experience of leveraging the alcohol as a way to communicate real things is just a crazy concept. Yeah. And I never thought about an alternative. I yeah. really didn't. And I think 
there weren't many alternatives back then at all unless it was like a drug doing Adderall or Coke or whatever. I didn't do Coke, but I've definitely taken Adderall in place of alcohol. But there weren't like healthy alternatives to socially lubricate because I know a lot of people need it or feel like they need it. So, yeah, I'm really thankful that now there are options, including today's guest who also felt the same and created what he felt he needed and so many others needed. But that's the hard thing. You just go to the default. Yeah. I'm so grateful now. And I don't want to seem like pretentious while saying this, but I remember in college when I would be uncomfortable around people and I remember wanting to get drunk or blacking out because I was uncomfortable and then coming to a place where I'm so comfortable in my skin and with who I am. And that hasn't been my experience always. It might not be the same tomorrow, but I can almost be anywhere and feel a level of comfort and home that allows me to be enough in my body to not need anything else. And I think that's the ultimate goal of it. But there are a lot of people who are incredibly sensitive. And I was thinking about this when we were talking during our conversation about those people that have sensitivities, that have gifts, that are introverts, that are Mm -hmm. people that are incredibly impacted by the environment that they're in or the lights or the sounds or whatever it is and can't really understand or contextualize or really navigate that type of thing and need a support within it. And I did a post a month ago on my page about how alcohol impacts your like spiritual body, how it impacted my spiritual body more say. And I really noticed that with drinking that there was more holes in my aura. So holes in our aura can occur and basically cause energy leaks. So we're more likely to be impacted by negative thoughts or by toxic relationships. It just is like an unhealthy experience spiritually. And then I also noticed that it hindered a lot of my psychic gifts. Mm. So I couldn't really tune in or tap in to my psychic gifts as much when I was so clouded oh, yeah. because of drinking. It made it really hard. And ever since I've stopped drinking, I've really been able to tune into my intuition and my gifts in a much clearer way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm aware of not only alcohol, but like even whether it's certain foods or just Caffeine's okay for me because I don't drink a lot of it, but I can imagine if I did drink more, that would affect. Or when I was drinking a lot of Celsius. I mean, see you later. Oh my God, Celsius. Celsius. Justin and I, in our old apartment in New York, would scoop C4. Oh, fuck. Dude, I saw Skittles-flavored C4 the other day, and I was like, uh uh-oh. It's like a pre-workout. If you're a younger generation, you probably weren't part of the generation that did pre-workout all the time. I used to go sprint on the treadmill for like 45 minutes. Like I was rolling. Wow. It was crazy. I used to go to SoulCycle, 5 a.m., take the train to Fidei, 5 a.m., go ride two classes on C4, just like Blue Raz sipping or like strawberry margarita flavored. I was like, a, I was addicted to the Silver Fern pre-workout. Oh, they had good pre-workout. Yeah, it was really that was good. actually nice. That was, a, <laughs> that was actually a good one. They don't exist. Anymore, but when I but... moved to LA, my body absolutely started to reject all of those stimulants because yeah. I had just been burning myself out, taking so many stimulants all the time, yeah. trying to live in a world where, yeah, it just wasn't made for rest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when I feel most connected. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? When I'm in that rest state Mm -hmm. rather than just so... It's like a jitter. It's like a jittery out-of-body feeling. And an anxious. I mean, I used to have such bad anxiety all the time, and it was because I was literally mainlining pre-workout and Adderall from someone else's prescription. Like, are you okay? Well, today's interview with Jerry, the founder of Botanic Tonics, the tonic itself is called Feel Free. And this is a conversation about, yeah, sober curiosity. And he himself is sober, has been for 13 years and really got to a very low point in his life. He ended up going to rehab and he was someone who did need that support, especially in social situations and really to support him through the daily stressors in life. And so He went on a few trips, a journey to the South Pacific and found these incredible plants and experienced their effects. And so these have been used for thousands of years. The whole plant is in this tonic and it provides both a calming effect, but also a really nice focus and energy. Yeah, I just did some before this interview. How are you feeling? took Kava. I feel amazing. It just helps smooth everything out. And I think it's really great to take before I go out with friends or before I want to be social and especially in environments where people are drinking to give myself a sort of, it's not an altered state of consciousness, but an ease at which I can move that I really, really enjoy because Kava has been proven to help with anxiety. It is a natural caffeine alternative, so it can support you in having that caffeine-like alertness without caffeine. It can actually support sleepers. So the kava tones in kava help restful sleep, which is really powerful. It can help you in socialization, and then it can also help prevent against inflammation. So it has anti-inflammatory effects that are really, really important for people, especially since we live in such a culture and society where we have so much inflammation in our body from all of the stress. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited for you to hear his story and also just the incredible effects that these plants have had and how healthy this is for us. Because I think a lot of uppers or kind of things that increase your energy or maybe slow you down can have effects, can have like lingering symptoms afterwards, but this is super clean and a lot, a lot of people are loving it. So I'm excited for you all to try, especially if you're sober curious. Yeah, it's so good. It doesn't taste really good, which we've talked about openly, but it's like a small drink where you can drink half of it. You can drink a little bit, whatever is going to make you feel the best. And it just supports you in feeling really embodied and it's a heart opener. So if you want to do this with a partner or with friends, it's really fun to do in circles as a heart opener to connect more deeply with people in a very legal and easily accessible way. I'm excited for you guys to dig into this. And of course, we have a code. So you can get $40 off your first purchase, which is pretty major at botanictonics.com. Yay, botanictonics.com. Code is almost 30. Get yourself $40 off. Enjoy. Feel good. Let us know how you feel. And if you want any more episodes on sober curiosity or drinking, we've done a few. So you can type in sober almost 30 and there's more for you there enjoy this one we'll see you on the other side love you guys this episode is brought to you by better help uh therapy y'all i don't know 
I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, eh, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. Yeah, we were talking about how alcohol is such a part of our culture and society and I'm from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. So in the Definitely Midwest. Definitely the Midwest. 
in the Midwest. It is so incredibly a part of culture. I remember I brought my then partner home with me to a friend's in Cleveland and all the guys were talking about drinking and they were talking about all the things that they were doing that weekend and they were talking about how honestly incapacitated and debilitated they would be. They'd be drinking so much that they would wake up in the middle of the road. They'd boast about it. Oh, they'd boast about it. They'd wake up in the middle of the road. They'd be arrested. They'd be in jail. And he was like, not many people talk about alcohol in this same way. It's not really normalized like it is here. And I was like, I can't believe that I've grown up that way where people would just black out. Like blacking out was the goal when we would go out. Part of being a man. Yes, Yes. especially for men. For men, they have their own set of repercussions, but for women, but so dangerous. I remember when I started to explore being sober, just realizing how dangerous it was going out at night with my friends when we were completely wasted. How many times would we come home alone and not know how we got there? Yes. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God everything was okay, but that's not always the case. But and continue to do it over and over again. Exactly. Because of the social anxiety. Yes. Alcohol is just self-medicating social anxiety. Yeah. That's all it is. People medicate for social anxiety with many different things, including sugar. Sugar is a very effective drug for social anxiety. Because mm. it gives you a buzz or what? It hits some of the same receptors that just calm you and make you feel good, yeah. pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that's why people overconsume sugar. Mm-hmm. That dopamine. What do you feel like was your kind of gateway into drinking was it that social anxiety mm-hmm. or was it kind of a part of the culture yeah, what definitely. was what was that i never really felt comfortable in my own skin and for various reasons i just didn't feel like i fit in especially in groups of people i don't know i had a hard time communicating and i remember exactly the first time i had a drink of alcohol i went from that to feeling like I was alive for the party. And so it was love at first sight. And that was at a very young age. It just continued from there up until it all fell apart. And I've been sober now for 13 years. Wow. How old were you when you had your first drink? I was 15. Wow. I think I was 14. I remember specifically, though, the drink, Mm -hmm. exactly what it was, where it was, all of that. What was it? It was a scotch and water, okay. of all things, to start out with. I remember the bar I got snuck into. I remember it to this day. Like I said, I had no idea you could feel like that because mm-hmm. I had never felt that way before. Yeah. Was that also the culture and kind of what everyone gathered around where you were, family, friends? I find that when I look back, I'm like, yeah, there was not much else that we involved ourselves in other than either drinking at someone's house or going to a bar. But what was the culture it like? It definitely was with all my friends, all their families. It wasn't with my family. And it never really was discussed. Mm-hmm. But both my grandparents had died alcoholics. Wow. Oh, and wow. my dad had serious issues early in his life. Had stopped by the time I, you know, but it wasn't talked about. It's one of those things, I think, that everybody was ashamed of it. Unfortunately, they didn't uh, yeah. educate us about it. Sure. That's powerful. I mean, when did you find out that you had alcoholism running in your family? 
And did you ever feel anger towards your family for never preparing you or having conversations with you in a way where you could look at alcohol differently before you got into it? I didn't find out until I was in serious issues and my mother finally said something. I don't think that I felt angry Mm -hmm. because I realized that it just is a taboo subject. It's not something you talk about. And the family was ashamed of it. She was ashamed of it. It was her dad. My dad was ashamed about what he had done. He was ashamed about his dad had died an alcoholic. But what a horrible thing to do to your children. Yeah. In hindsight, to not let them know that, that you have this genetics in your family. And I truly believe it's a combination of genetics and the crowd you run with, however you want to say. Nature and nurture. Into your adult life, what was that tipping point? At which point did you decide that this was a problem? I started out in Dallas in the oil and gas business. And by the time I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I had achieved what I, at the time I thought was success times a thousand. And the specific moment for me that I remember is I had the houses, the cars, the boats, the planes, all of that stuff. And I was sitting in the house. We were having a fundraiser for Obama. And there was probably four or 500 people there. And I was sitting in the bedroom by myself with a drink. And it just dawned on me that I, I was totally miserable. Here I had everything that I'd ever dreamed that could have and more, and it wasn't making me happy. In fact, it was doing just the opposite. Yeah, I think there's the path to where it's like you have your specific set of attributes and qualities that make you who you are, and then we put everyone on this track where you're like, do this, make money, be happy. And it's like you as a being might not have wanted to be in big crowds, might not have wanted to be doing the things that you were doing, but we all kind of chase this blueprint or this path, especially when it comes to something where you have as much success as you. So when you realized that moment, did you feel like you had community or friends you could talk to? Did you feel like you were also alone? My mentors were wildcatters, and in hindsight, they were all functioning alcoholics. What is a wildcatter? Oil and gas explorer, driller. And it was just the Kind of the general theme was work hard, play harder. Not very nice, I guess, is the bottom line. I idolized that. That looked fun. And it, I have to admit, it was a lot of fun for a long time. It became not fun. So pretty much everybody around me was the same way that I was. Yeah. Yeah, the functioning alcoholic is such an interesting and common, I feel like, societal archetype. And even just you saying that, like I brought a little bit of like that compassion. You know, I feel as though people are under an exorbitant amount of stress in their jobs and also the pressure of providing for a family, for example, or now in this day and age, it's like keeping up with what you should do based on what's on social media. Mm -hmm. There's just kind of this ever pile that's growing. I think that we're in a situation now where there is more stress and anxiety than there ever has been. Yes. And I think it's a combination of things. I think a lot of us aren't eating the right kind of food. 
we're not really eating food. We're eating something that looks like food, and we're disconnected from nature. We're bombarded with an amazing amount of information every day, overload. We're moving faster and faster, and for a lot of people, the family unit has fallen apart. It just there's just a lot of things I've come to realize over the last couple of years that I think that's the biggest problem that we're facing, mm. and I think the evidence of that is is that pretty much everybody's running around self medicate. They're either using sugar or alcohol, cell phones, or sex or too much sex or whatever. They're using something to. And they don't really, I don't think a lot of cases connect the dots of that's what they're really doing. Mm -hmm. Like sugar. I don't think people think about sugar as self-medicating for stress and anxiety, but it actually works. It's very effective. And I think that's why a lot of people overconsume it because it is so effective. Mm. Uh, but it takes more and more and more to, to make it work. And I think that the key is that there's some things you can do to reduce the amount of stress and anxiety, but it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. So the key is to find something that you can use on a regular basis that works for you and that has the least amount of unintended consequences. Sure. Because unless you want to run off into a monastery or something somewhere, you're going to have to deal with it. And when you talk to people... If you have a conversation with someone for more than 30 minutes, it comes up. It's either my kids, money, my job, my health. Mm -hmm. Something will come up that they'll start discussing. Again, I don't think in a lot of cases they think about it as stress and anxiety, but that's what they're describing to you. Mm -hmm. I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a... New baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, if you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. <laughs> Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, uh, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, so let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, so I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. 
I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. Um, it's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. I'm excited to get into Feel Free and just how you discovered this incredible alternative. But in your rehabilitation, what did you find were kind of these first alternatives or ways in which you could deal with the stress, deal with the anxiety? Right after the experience that I talked about before at my house, things had gotten really bad. I was crashing cars and just drunk. Yeah. All kinds of things were happening. Yeah. Fortunately, I had enough resources and yeah. friends and that I was, maybe not fortunately, I was getting out of things, but it just, it was starting to happen to the level that I was either going to kill myself and or somebody else. And a group did an intervention on me and oh wow, I went off to a treatment, went to an interesting facility. It's in Georgia and it specializes in commercial airplane pilots and doctors. And uh, I went there and inpatient for 90 days. I lived with three doctors and it was a great experience for me because it's the first time since I was 14, 15 years old that I hadn't just been working and really focused on that more than anything. For the first time in my life, I didn't have any responsibilities and I just was working on myself. It took me a while to think that I could actually go do that because I'm like, oh, I'm too important. I have all these yeah. responsibilities. Everything's sure. going to fall apart. And the reality is if I hadn't done it, it was all going to fall apart anyway. It was already all falling apart. But it was just all the classes, the therapy, all that was great. But for me, it's weird how these things happen is the light bulb moment was one night we were at the condo and we were watching some TV and the movie A Beautiful Mind came on with Russell Crowe. Mm -hmm. And in that movie, he's schizophrenic. And but this is towards the end of the movie. He's walking along with his arch nemesis. And the guy goes, looks like you're doing a lot better. Do you still see them? He looks over and they're walking along beside his imaginary. And they kind of wave at him. And he just kind of turns. And he said, yeah, I still see them. But I've learned how to not engage with them. And it just dawned on me that I'm no different than he is. I may not see something, but I have these voices mm -hmm. in my head or thoughts, same thing, that are constantly telling me things that aren't real. And up until that point in my life, I had believed everything I thought, everything. And I had acted because I thought it was real. 
And it was just one of those moments of like, I'm just like him. I may have a little bit lesser version of it, but I'm to that word kind of crazy in, in that yeah. sense. And that I keep doing things that I know are going to hurt me or hurt people around me, but I just keep doing it. And that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah, sure. That's huge. So many people in our audience, we can kind of like peel back and step back of, we all have these beliefs, whether it's, I am not loved, I'm going to be abandoned, no one likes you, I'm never going to succeed in work, or you're not good enough for that, or all of these things that are kind of running in the background. And when you really ask them forward or kind of notice them, like in A Beautiful Mind, where he has the people he's noticing, it's like you can see them and recognize Mm -hmm. them, but not engage. And so many people in our audience work on their mindset so much. And it's so important to know that you are not your thoughts and they aren't what define you and they aren't what make you because that's how you can create and co-create with God or the universe a life that you want and a life that you are a determinant of rather than having these thoughts running for you. So even if you're not an alcoholic or not, I think no, all of us have, to everyone. Yeah, mm. exactly. All of us have those thoughts running in the back of our mind that really create who we are, which is a huge part of our human experience. I, I wish that they would teach this stuff in I know. school. Me too. But it's funny well, because in the young age, they're programming them. So if you were to be programming a kid mm. and then telling them, you're not your thoughts, it's no, we want you to believe these things. And so you probably couldn't tell them you're not well, these the, the other thing is I then came out and took a sabbatical for a little bit to really try to figure out what to do with yeah. my life. And so I part of that was just a massive amount of reading different things. I got into neuroscience and I started reading about the new brain and the old brain and how they work. And again, I had to that point in my life, I had prided myself on making fast decisions. Well, what I realized was that because of the way that our brain has formed over eons, that if you're making fast decisions, you're making them with the old brain, the reptilian brain. And it's just fight or flight. The new brain has all the real knowledge. Unfortunately, it's a slow processor. It holds a tremendous amount of data, but it's a slow processor. And in one of the books that I read, It said, the experiment of that is, someone sends you an email, charged email. You fire, respond, don't send it. Put it to the side. Come back the next morning and read their email and then read how you responded. And I started doing that, and I realized that in a lot of cases, I had totally misunderstood or misjudged what the person was. I took it as they were attacking me. And I immediately attacked them back when that really wasn't what their intent was. And it was just amazing. I still do that Mm -hmm. today for some things. And I purposely today, for what I feel like are bigger decisions, I take a tremendous amount of time. Mm -hmm. Because it really is amazing. The decisions that I make now versus what I made before are Because I'll make two or three decisions along the way, iterations, and then I'll look back and I'll go, this is totally different than what I originally would have done in this situation. Mm. And again, I think one of the biggest problems in our society is that's not taught to children. And we're taught to, again, to make fast decisions. We think that 
you're rewarded for that. And you've got everybody running around basically not using the biggest part of their brain. Mm. And then they wonder why they have problems. Yes. I think part of why a lot of people experience some anxiety is that mm. kind of like invisible pressure to make the decision to take the next step, to move forward. And I completely agree with you. I think the pause and the stillness and the space has been devalued and lost on people because they think they're going to fall behind. There's like a great fear that I'm going to fall behind, I'm going to miss out, etc. And we've done this many times in the business, like you were saying with the email, where mm. giving it a day, it's as if the heightened emotion gets to yeah. settle into the truth. Yeah. And while we still might feel a type of way, we're really able to see it more clearly and come from, I think, more so in our heart rather than so reactive. Yeah, because like I said, it's the reptilian brain is the vargas nerve and all that. It's just purely chemical fight or flight. And it served us very well early on. It still served us well in some yeah. situations. For most of us, not so much anymore. Sure. <laughs> That's what most people are running around making their decisions on. My immediate reaction is to like look for the pattern recognition of whatever the person's saying. I want it to affirm a pattern or neural pathway that I have in my mind that I run regularly. So if the email comes to me, I'm like, oh, they don't respect me. And I could see something totally different than what you see because of my patterning of my beliefs sure. where I'll be like, I don't trust them. They're going to be whatever. And you're like, they don't respect me or whatever because yours might be, you feel disrespected. Mine might be, I don't trust people. So they often hit on things that we kind of loop over and over again. But I want to talk about the, so you left the- So I left the treatment facility yes. and I guess in the minority of people that uh, treatment worked for me. It's, I haven't had a drink since and that was 13 years ago now. When I came out, like I said, I went through the sabbatical period and figured out what I wanted to do next and all of that. But I still had the same problem that I had when I went in is that I didn't feel comfortable in social situations. So I isolated myself. I knew that if I didn't find a solution that I would go back to doing what I was doing before or something else because I just couldn't live that way long term. I just couldn't couldn't do that. I didn't want to. Sure. And so, I, so if alcohol can't do it or any other things that I've been to, how about is there something else out there that I can do that will fix this, treat this? And I started doing the meditation, yoga, all that kind of stuff. I was doing that. And that was helping, but that didn't get me to where I wanted to get. I tried everything in the market I could find that had feel good or all that type of stuff. And none of it really did hardly anything for me. I tried everything illegal. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like went, plant I medicine went, or? Yeah, mm -hmm. just pretty much everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what I found with that was that it did too much Yeah. in most cases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like, and, I left the planet. <laughs> yeah. And, and I wanted something that I could function in society. I could go to work, I could work out and all of that. I didn't want something where I felt like I could drive a car or I was just felt like sitting on my couch or that wasn't what I was looking for. And I could not find it. I'm a research fanatic. And so I started researching social lubrication, plants, different societies have used around the world for thousands of years. And 
it was fascinating because I found that alcohol is only one of the solutions. And it's actually an outlier because it's the only one that's processed. So you have a handful of plants that developed in different places around the world that were used for social lubrication that didn't have alcohol or had very little of it. And I learned as much as I could about all of them. And then I started traveling and went and experienced them firsthand. I started collecting samples and none of those by themselves got me the full package of what I was. They didn't feel like that first sip of alcohol that I took. Mm -hmm. I got the crazy idea of trying to start mixing different things together. And I set up a informal lab in my house. My wife thought I was off the deep end again. And I spent two years mixing and matching and using different strains. And I finally found the right combination that made me feel like I felt when I had that first drink. It was like a, it was a dramatic moment when I found that because nothing else before in all these thousands of combinations I tried had done that. And I was using friends and family as guinea pigs too, so they were trying this. And I wasn't thinking anything about commercialization. This was just for me. But when I found this, pretty much everybody I gave it to said, you need to sell this. And that's how I got to consumer packaged goods. There you wow. go. I tried it at Sun Life mm -hmm. and it's powerful. So what mm. exactly is Kava Root and what is in it that provides the effects of that social lubrication? Kava is the root of a pepper plant. It's grown throughout the Pacific Islands. It's been used for thousands of years the same way that we used alcohol. It is no doubt, as far as a natural, unprocessed, it is the best thing for anxiety and stress that there is, bar none. It actually works in a lot of cases almost too well. It's a little bit too sedating, but it's just a wonderful plant. And it doesn't really have any downside unless you just consume just unbelievable quantities of it. And you don't really want to. For me, it's not like alcohol that you just keep wanting more and more and more. And it doesn't take that much of it. So that's mm -hmm. the primary ingredient in that it's a plant and it's grown over a large area. It's very similar to cannabis in that it there's different strains and the environment that it's grown in affect it and all that. There's about 40-some cavaloctones in it, and they the different ratios of those create different effects. But that's the main active ingredient, the tonic. Because it's a little too sedating, or it was for me anyway, I added a little bit of kratom. And kratom is it's a leaf of a tree mm. in the coffee family from Southeast Asia. And it, again, it's been used for thousands of years, and it's been used for productivity enhancement, endurance. So if you go out into rural Southeast Asia, you'll see these little roadside shacks. It's like their version of Starbucks, mm -hmm. and they'll have little bags, tea with a straw, and it's a kratom tea. And the workers consume that throughout the day to not only endure, but to enjoy, you know, working in the fields 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And I've witnessed it myself. They're not 
out there. It's not like slave labor or anything. I mean, they're actually smiling, singing, having time. And a lot of that is, is because of what they're consuming. And so this provides the perfect balance so mm-hmm. that people are experiencing both a calming, but also a like relatively comfortable amount of energy rather than the jitters. I call it chilled energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for lack of a better term, <laughs> because that that is, you've got two plants, one that's taking you down, one that's taking you up, and we get the two of them together, the right strains, they kind of balance each other. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a wave. You're getting this, but you're staying in the middle where you want to be. You know, you said you love research. So what is some of the research on both of the main plants in it? There was an issue in Germany with kava 10 years ago. There was some contaminated kava that got imported and hurt some people, liver damage. And that got blown way out of proportion. It reminds me, it's very similar to what we've experienced here with romaine lettuce. It would be like romaine lettuce getting banned that had a few cases of salmonella contamination. What's interesting about that is one of the lobbying firms we work with was telling me that they actually were working with the Produce Association because at one point the FDA was talking about banning romaine lettuce hmm. because of the continued contamination, hmm. which I thought was bizarre. Bizarre. Use I mean, then banning things never surprises me and it never like deters me. Yeah. Because <laughs> with psilocybin or cannabis or so many things that they ban, it doesn't really always make sense to me. But so like what's happening in the brain? What is happening in people's physical body when they take that gives them the effect? So it's, again, it's the cavaloctones. It's hitting receptors in the brain that are calming, pleasure calming, and relieving you of stress, anxiety. It's interesting because I see kava and alcohol are very similar of what they treat but they do it in two totally different ways. So alcohol, they call it liquid courage. Alcohol amplifies you. It makes you more aggressive, louder. You feel invincible, all of that. And you can witness that in a bar, go into a bar and as people start drinking, it gets louder, louder and louder and louder because people are trying to talk over each other If it's, in some cases, somebody's going to do a fight, there's going to be sexual harassment, there's going to be all kinds of things going on because the inhibitions have been lowered. Kava can get you to that same place, but it does it in a different way. It actually quietens you down. Uh, Does that, but at the same time, because when you quieten yourself down and stop thinking about yourself, you start thinking about everybody around you. They call it a heart opener, which I hate that word, hippy dippy. But it it really, (laughs) it really does because then you're quiet enough that you actually engage with everyone around. You listen to what they're saying. You're not trying to boast over them or talk over them. You're having a very meaningful, deep conversation. And I've seen that. I've spent quite a bit of time in the Pacific Islands, and I've done a lot of kava ceremonies with natives there. And it's incredible. It's a wonderful social experience. And you're truly having real conversations. You're having a 
deeper emotional connection with people that you don't really know that well. And they're just, it's just a wonderful experience. And I've seen the same thing here. And there's about three to 400 Kava bars in the U.S. now. And I have a friend of mine that has, he has about 20 Kava bars, and but he also has about 30 alcohol bars in South Florida. And he said it's like night and day. He really? said in the alcohol bars, you're going to have fights. Somebody's pinching somebody's ass and just all kinds of stuff going on. He said in the Kava bars, he goes, you go in there and they're playing games, they're laughing, they're singing, but it's not loud. It's quiet. One of my last trips to Vanuatu, one of, uh, one of the countries in the Pacific Islands, we were doing a Kava ceremony. There's about 20 of us and we're sitting around dinner, just enjoying the conversation. And there was a guy there, this is a small high-end resort. There's a guy there, he's a French billionaire that has a lot of interest throughout the islands. We were talking about it, and he said, he goes, I never really thought about it, but he said, I own interest in all these different places. And he said, the islands that are alcohol forward, the violence and crime and all that is much higher. He said, the islands that are still Kava forward, he said that you don't have those issues. You don't have to worry about locking your house or anything. So we talked about this earlier. I think alcohol, there's a lot of unintended consequences that are going on. And I think one of the main things is that group of a handful of plants that I found. What was interesting was that none of them are highly processed the way the natives use them. Mm -hmm. But alcohol is very highly processed and it's got tons of sugar in it, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. And it's an outlier in that respect. And I think what I believe is that anytime that you highly process something, the body has a really hard time knowing how to deal with it. Sure. Especially because you're able to get hundreds or thousands of times more of something into your system than what nature intended. And that leads to all kinds of problems. So now after learning all this, a lot of it makes perfect sense to me as to why I was having all the issues that I was having. Is there any restrictions on kava as far as bringing it over here? I know you said people have bars and things like that, but in this form, has it been kind of smooth sailing for you? No, the kava is fine. It's the kratom that's an issue. You know, if you Google kratom, it'll scare you to death. It's doom and gloom. There's a basis for that. Unfortunately, we always take stuff here in the West and screw it up. Just like coca leaves and several other things, we've taken a plant that in its natural form has been used for thousands of years with no issues and it's wonderful. We've turned it into a drug. What happens is it's very similar to coca leaves. They do concentrations and extracts. So they take solvents or CO2 and they extract. In Kratom, there's alkaloids. There's about 50 alkaloids, of which two are really the feel-good ones. And very similar, actually exactly, coca leaves have the same amount of alkaloids, and they strip out two or three to make cocaine. And again, then you're able to get high concentrations of it in your system. You couldn't do that naturally. You couldn't consume enough fiber. Most people that start on cocaine, it doesn't end very well. <laughs> so they're using Kratom 
and extracting. 99% of the market in the U.S. is extracts. Wow. And yours is the whole? It's the whole leaf, yeah. We're the only shot that is using whole leaf versus the extract. I very early on, again, with the research, I tried both. For one thing, I didn't like the what I wasn't trying to get high. Again, I didn't want to be inebriated. Right. Actually, I want to do the opposite. I wanted to work out, feel enhanced, and the extracts made me I could get high. Well, the other thing I did was I did a lot of blood chemistry. So I did, you know, what I would call abusive levels of each, and then had my blood chemistry checked versus do annual blood chemistry. And very quickly, I could see elevated liver enzymes and that type of stuff, which means that your body's working its ass off trying to rebalance. Mm. And uh, didn't see that with the whole leaf. And I didn't see that with kava either. Wow. Yeah, we love a whole plant being used. So for anyone that's sober curious, what would you say to them about leveraging this in place of alcohol? What benefits do you think they could see in their life? I think that uh, alcohol is works. That's why it's so popular, because it really works. The problem with it, again, is that it's processed, it's concentrated, and it's very hard to regulate. It's You step over that line, and all hell breaks loose. You're definitely not going to feel good the next day. And it's a toxin, uh, right? Yeah, It's a toxin, yeah. It crosses the well, blood-brain barrier, too, and I think your brain absorbs it. The easiest it. way, I think, to look at that is... Alcohol is a disinfectant. Yes. Say no more. Why would you put a disinfectant in your body? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Period. Mm-hmm. Barring everything else. Yeah. Why would you put, it's killing things. That's what it's designed for is to kill things. Why would you put that into your body in any quantity? Yeah. Because it's game day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's game day. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean. Go horns. <laughs> I, think, I think the reason for that is, is that there's not many other alternatives. Yes. Like what I found. I also think there's something to people working with the parts of them that desire or feel fear. Like, I think there's also work to be done. So you don't need something outside of yourself as well. I agree with that. Yeah. But in my case. Yeah. That's not enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, in my sabbatical, I read all these books. I read one, it was one of Herman Hesse's books. It wasn't Siddhartha, it was one of the others. And he's talking about people look at the monk out in the woods and all that, and go, ooh, that's great, admirable. And he said, that's not really the, he goes, because that's getting yourself in an environment where you don't have to deal with all this shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, what? is the goal is to be able to do that here mm-hmm. where you're dealing with all this. I think for most of us, meditation, breath work, cope lunges, yoga, yeah, I do all of it. It's a big part of my life. I was in the ocean swimming this morning at 4 a.m., but that doesn't cut it all day long. It right. wears off and it, Someone sends me a, a nasty email or something, or somebody cuts me off in traffic or something. It's just not off to the races. It's all, off to the races. <laughs> yes. I think it's nice though that it's plants yeah. leveraging the intelligence of nature and Mother Earth in a way that's it's what they're for. Yeah, exactly. it's what they were designed totally. for. Yeah, and so. Are people ingesting an entire small bottle? Do you recommend people you know, kind of test? People have asked me about that. When I first created it, I would 
use tire bottle mm-hmm. as a serving. And what I found when more people were taking it was that most people didn't need that much. I only did a little bit at a time. And even myself now, I took a half right before we started. I only take a half at a time. I'm not looking to get, I don't want to feel too good. <laughs> I want to feel, you know, yeah. right. But what I've found with this versus alcohol is I can regulate. Mm. And I n- never was able to regulate alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And so this would be great, obviously, as an alcohol alternative, but also you mentioned taking it prior to a workout. Probably one of the biggest demographics that we have are athletes. We have a lot of professional athletes. Yeah. We had three Olympians, two of metal that were using it. I can imagine. I think that's the Kratom part of it, the productivity enhancement. And there's something synergistic, too, going on. I don't quite understand it yet between when you mix the two together. It's an incredible focus answer. And that may be because it's quieting you down. We have a lot of businessmen that use it. You really have something you need to really focus on and get done. It works wonderful for that. Hey, if we can lessen the amount of Adderall and... Yes. (laughs) I don't even know if people are still doing Coke at work, but... Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, they've moved on to Adderall for sure. What has it been like working with people in the South Pacific? Wonderful. Really? Yeah. I mean, the the experiences that I've had, I'm actually leaving in two weeks to go back because we're we're building out farming facilities and processing facilities and all that. So I'm going to be spending more and more time there, which is, can't think anywhere else I'd rather be. (laughs) But it's, an example is one of my first trips there. I was on a, just a very small island, probably 50 people live there. And we're hanging out for a week or so. We get ready to leave. And they're all crying and, and just, and I'm like, you wouldn't experience that here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't a show or anything either. They truly were emotional about that we weren't mm. going to see each other for a while. And that bond developed in just a week's time. Of course, we drank kava every night. Mm-hmm. And so you're in your and, hearts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we bonded. Yeah. It's beautiful. So it's beautiful about plant medicines helping you get in your heart so you can be more in tune with others in a very sensitive, subtle way rather than leaving your body where yes. you are yelling and you are in that reptilian brain. The best experience of that is to get a group of people together and have them all do kava. Love that. Mm-hmm. I've done cacao ceremonies with women, which is beautiful, but I'd love to do kava. It's a wonderful, it's like night and day compared to a group of people together and doing alcohol. I'm sure. <laughs> I've done it. But both, of them, both of them have their benefits. I'm not going to play it down because yeah. they both work but it's a much better thing I think. wow we'll have to and, do it. and you're not going to feel bad the next morning that's what i was going to ask how's the and you're not going to be consuming hundreds of grams sugar, of sugar right a hundred percent it's no calories yeah wow what does the f- taste like it tastes horrible okay <laughs> <laughs> i love the hey i don't I'm down. <laughs> uh, I know. Sometimes I when things take that, I'm like, you know, yeah, when, honestly, when, you, like, when you think about it, most everything that's really good for you, whether that's ginger uh-huh. or whatever it is, is pungent. Mm-hmm. And there's no fake stuff in it to me. I think it's by design. Yeah. I think Mother Nature, because you don't really want to take too much of it. Mm-hmm. I think Mother Nature, by design, makes this stuff where it has a strong taste, flavor, 
so that you don't overconsume it. Yeah. I think what we do is with alcohol and cocaine and things like that, we figure out a way to get around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we figure out a way to remove that taste. Yeah. And so that we can get massive amounts of it in our system and get high. Yeah, yeah especially with alcohol. Alcohol <laughs> naturally tastes terrible. When people ask that question, I'll, I'll tell them, and they're like, ooh. And I'm like, well, I don't mind. think back the first time that you had alcohol. <laughs> you mean... can't tell me that tasted. Uh-huh. Especially if it was gin or something like that. It tasted horrible. Yeah, it's so bad. I had vodka was my first <laughs> drink. Bacardi 151. Wow. Yeah. Did you guys have 99 proof alcohol? Oh, yeah. 99 bananas? Yes, I had that too. Yeah. <laughs> I got arrested drinking that. <laughs> <laughs> it's another story for another day. Oh, goodness. What's next for you guys? I'm really excited to introduce this to our so audience. Next so next is so we're launching in June mm-hmm. uh, the new version of this. We're going to have both. What we found is that there's a, it's similar to like lactose intolerance or gluten intolerance or peanuts or whatever. There's a percentage of society that's allergic to Kratom. It's a small percentage, but there is a percentage that, and it's the similar thing is that when you consume it, you'll know pretty quickly if that's the case, because you'll, your body wants to purge it. Mm-hmm. You'll have nausea. Your body's trying to get rid of it. Yeah. So... We Freedom wanted to free. try to figure out, because we had some people saying, God, I, I love it, but I just can't consume it because of the nausea. And so I went to work, again, back to exploring all these different plants and stuff. And I found four different plants from different parts of the world that, when mixed together in the right percentages, the right strains, mimic Kratom. Wow. Great. So... We replaced the Kratom with those, same kava. And it's interesting because we did all this internal, and then we did naive blind sensory testing. So now we're, it's not in the lab in my kitchen more. It's in an R&D facility with scientists and all that. So we were able to really do a proper study. So we brought people in, never had either one, never had these ingredients, period. And uh, they consumed both back-to-back several days and sequence. And uh, the majority of people selected the new. Hmm. Great. Over the old. So pretty excited about getting it out in the market. (laughs) I know myself, I actually use both. Cool. I find the new more energizing. Wow. So I use it earlier in the day, and I find the old more social. Mm. I use that later in the day. Oh, cool. I can't wait to work out on it. Yeah. <laughs> we were microdosing for a few months, and so we'd podcast microdosing and do all these things microdosing, so it'll be fun to do a little. So how was that experience? It was powerful. I think I did it a little bit too long. Yeah. Where at the end, it wasn't serving me at all. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to yeah. is the same thing. Yeah. It's, and I did it myself. Yeah. It was it's just one kind of... Those, of it's hard on you. Yeah. This, you and I was getting really term. tired. I think there was too much the dopamine. And I think like... I was doing it at one point every day almost. Yeah. And you're not supposed to do it. Yeah. Every. Yeah. There's kind of a compound. It's hard to regulate. Yeah. You also don't know what mixes with the dosage. So whether it's something very you hard moving to through, regulate dosage. You eat, you yes. know, it's like things could trigger it because I remember we microdosed and then had CBD and caffeine. CBD and caffeine. And it was like we, we were, were on tri- another planet. Ripping. Tripping. Yeah. You start stacking things. Yeah. yeah. You get. 
You know, it's not quite that one serious. plus one equals two. Yeah. It can be one plus yes. one equals six uh-huh. if it's the right yes. two things. Yes. Yeah. It was powerful, though. It was really beautiful, and I'm grateful for it. I was grateful that it's something it just like this with kava where it's too much, you're done, you're not going to mm-hmm. have it. I do feel like with the mushrooms, they're like, we need to be done, and we're right. going to make this unpleasant for you because yeah. we need to be done. Yeah. With other things, that's a lot of medicine. Plant medicines yes. do that where they help you regulate it. I think the psychedelics, that's a whole, in my mind, it's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Psychedelics to me aren't about treating the day-to-day stress and anxiety and productivity and things like that. Those are about, to me, those are more of like hard-booting computer. Yeah, that's true. Right. They're going to rock your world and make you think differently. And so they're, in my mind, and looking back about how civilizations have used them for thousands of years, that's how they use them, Mm -hmm. whether it's a Native American boy going out in the woods to be a man or whatever it is, they didn't consume them on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. They figured out what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to introduce this to our audience, botanictonics.com. And we have a code as always, almost 30. Thank you for giving that to Mm us. $40 off your purchase. So people can buy directly from the website. Buy directly from the website. And then we're also available at stores across. Great. I'm excited for y'all because I know you're super curious. I talk to the community about it all the time. I've been sober for a long time. Lindsay drinks sparingly, so they're going to love to have this. And especially when you said heart opening, I know that wasn't your word. That's our community. <laughs> That's our word. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. Thank you yeah. so much. All Thank right. You. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Jerry, for joining us. The brand is Botanic Tonics. You can go to botanictonics.com and use the code almost 30 for $40 off your first purchase, which is such a major discount and won't last for long. So take advantage. Ooh, I can't wait for you guys to try. Have your heart open, feel really good in your body. And if you're new to Almost 30, thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you to the OGs who have been with us forever. We love you so deeply. Almost30.com is our hub place where all of our courses and programs and membership is. The nicest, most fun, deep place on the internet. We also have Morning Microdose, which is the best of Almost 30. And then our socials, Almost 30 Podcast. Come hang. We love you guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye.